Hello everyone, and I'm very excited to say that the Brainwaves team have secured an exclusive invite to the G7 conference in Cornwall. We're the only board game review site on the ground at the G7 conference here, and uh, it's up to me to interview the world leaders as to their favourite board games. Of course, we want to get that that information to you as, as soon as we can. Uh, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson, uh, can I have a word? Hello, yes, this is me, Boris Johnson. Yes, how can I help you? Always happy to speak to the board game media uh, what is your favorite board game mr johnson uh favorite board game um i would probably have to say fog of love thank you excellent excellent uh mr trudeau mr trudeau uh oh, hello hello this is me justin trudeau hello uh, nice to see you um always nice to speak to the board game media nice hello hello mr trudeau and uh, what is your favorite board game now you might expect me to go for a canadian designer but that's that's low-hanging fruit uh, so instead i'm going to say my favorite game is pipeline well, look, everyone, we, we need to get back to the studio. I'll obviously will uh, put in the rest of our interviews with uh, the uh, world leaders. Oh, uh, hello. I'm sorry. Are you the board game media? Um, I'd like to speak to you. Of course, this is me, uh, Joe Biden. Um, hi. Uh, hello, Mr. Biden. It's a pleasure to meet you. And uh, of course, we'd like to ask you what your favorite board game is. Well, of course, always happy to speak to the board game media. Uh, my favorite board game is Monopoly. And uh, why Monopoly in particular, Mr. Biden? Uh, well, it's... Um... You know, it's 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 again it's been around for a while. It's got a got a solid rule set. I mean, it hasn't changed in about eighty five years, and uh, you know, it teaches some important life lessons, like capitalism. No more questions. Goodbye. Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, the, I, I, this is me, a security guard at the G seven in Cornwall. You can tell by my thick Cornish accent. Please get out of here, or I will be forced to use this taser on you. I always wonder what a taser felt like. You're a strange man. Get out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Jamie Adams, professional impressionist. And I'm Ian McAllister, and I'm very confused. And this is Brainwaves, episode 75, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 14th of June, 2021. Brexit deadline looms for small businesses. A rare manuscript is a shadow of its former self. An old white guy does... that thing you know do we even need to explain it all this and more on this episode of brainwaves yes and we're getting political at the top of the cast this time around it's been a year where the c word covid has been talked about a lot but let's not forget that the b word brexit also keeps rearing its ugly head this story was brought to our attention by paul baldowski from uk company all rolled up at the end of June 2021, the EU is going to introduce the Import One-Stop Shop Scheme, or IOSS. This removes the €22 Euro VAT exemption for imports on all products. Instead, value-added tax, or VAT, will be charged on imports regardless of value. Additional regulations will come in, meaning that custom fees, duties, and customs clearance fees will affect a wide variety of goods. In order to handle this, companies need an accountant in the EU who can calculate the VAT owed on any goods they export to the EU, which is a different amount for each country. This will of course come at no small cost and has led to companies like All Rolled Up temporarily suspending sales to the EU and we suspect they will not be the last. From the All Rolled Up statement with regards to the scarcity of information about the changes, there's barely any information regarding any of this on the gov.uk website. My brilliant accountant, who is always on top of changes, does not have any guidance to offer his customers. There has been a single paragraph update on 13th of May 2021. So big companies like 
Amazon, big import, big exports. They can all take this on the chin. They can employ people to do this for them. That's because they don't pay any tax. That's a different matter altogether. But what I'm saying is, like, big companies basically have the resources to take this kind of thing on and be okay. And it's why we haven't really seen, like, the predicted massive chaos queues at Dover, all that kind of sort of apocalyptic predictions that were put out in the run-up to Brexit. What's not been talked about enough is that small companies in the background are massively suffering, and it's because of things like this. It's the small independents that are really, really suffering with new regulations to EU because they can't export to individual customers. The people who used to sell cheese to individual people in France or their whiskey to individual people in Germany, they can't do that anymore because the fees involved are just absolutely astronomical. These are obviously the sunlit uplands that Jacob Rees-Mogg and the like were talking about when Brexit came about. It's just, it's incredibly frustrating. We People voted for this and it's just, ah, it's incredibly frustrating. And it's going to affect conventions over here as well. It's going to affect the other way around. People coming over here, I'm sure it's going to affect UK Games actually coming up and other conventions. It's going to make it harder for people from the EU to exhibit over here. So it's going to massively affect the board game industry. But sunlit uplands, Ian. But the sunlit uplands... It's not like, you know, the sunlit, like, no no ozone layer, like, being burned by it kind of uplands. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So we awesome. We can get that healthy glow on your skin. Yeah, we, we, we were just, uh, you know, we were sold a lie. Much like something else that's been sold recently, Jamie. As an excellent link, Ian. This is a story in two acts. Act one concerns a piece of RPG history going up for auction on the popular site eBay. This is the original manuscript for the advanced Dungeons and Dragons sourcebook, Deities and Demigods, which gave stats for members of various pantheons of real-world and fictional gods, including ones from uh, the Dungeons and Dragons now lore and canon. Originally printed in 1980 for the first edition of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, the first printing had members of the Lovecraftian mythos and gods from the Elric series by Michael Moorcock included. But a later rights acquisition by Chaosium led to those two groups being dropped from future printings. The manuscript includes a handwritten letter by Jim Ward, the man who created the non-human deities for the sourcebook, those who, as I earlier mentioned, have now become key players in D&D canon and lore. This letter gives extra information and also acts as a level of authentication to the manuscript. It went up for $12,000 and the auction is ending on the 18th of June. Well, that's pretty cool, don't you think, Ian? Awesome. Nothing could possibly have gone wrong. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Act 2. The auction has since been pulled after it discovered the manuscript is actually a photocopy. It's unknown at the time of recording whether or not it was deliberate fraud. <laughs> I, I don't really know what else to add to this, because it's amazing. Be careful what you buy on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Buyer beware on eBay. But, uh, but yeah. I wonder what happened to the yeah, original amazing. one. I mean, I guess it depends, like, how old a photocopy it is, depends, like, or, like, it's authenticity. It might still be, like, a valuable thing to have. If it's a photocopy of the original manuscript and, like, you can't get the original manuscript, it might still be an interesting piece of RPG history, right? That's true, but the fact is it was going up as being the original manuscript. And as as I said... As I said, we don't know whether or not it was a deliberate fraud. We are not going to even hypothesize whether or not it was deliberate fraud because, I mean, we can, but I, it's kind of pointless. Yeah, we could shout shame down the microphone, but why would we do that? 
But I would recommend. I would recommend if you can read or find a copy, even online, of Deities and Demigods. It's worth a worth a wee read. I've uh, flicked through a friend's copy several years ago. It's interesting, you know, if you ever wanted to fight King Arthur and his knights in first edition AD and D. There's there's the stats there. I'm sure they can easily be converted. If you want to fight Odin, you know, if you just want to, I mean, you know, it's the end game for lots of high level Dungeons and Dragons yeah. play. Is you know. Like and JRPGs as well. Kill God. Yep, it's quite a common theme amongst a lot of RPGs, really, isn't it? Good point. Yeah, except you know, like JRPGs generally do it with the power of love and friendship, whereas other RPGs do swords and guns and high explosives. I don't know. I've seen quite a lot. I mean, quite a lot of JRPGs also have like massive swords and guns. True, but the power of love and friendship is central to that. You can't defeat God without <laughs> the power of love and friendship. I'm... And a massive sword. And and a massive sword. Uh, there, I, there is no good way to link to this, people. So I will just pass over to Ian and go. Guess what? An old white man has done what old white men do. Indeed. So a user on Twitter posted the following: Even if Canada and or Ontario and or London were not at all racist, and this was entirely against the norm, they're not, and it isn't. It's not sufficient for a place or a space to not be racist. It must be anti-racist. It must be specifically hostile to racists. A sentiment we entirely agree with at Brainwaves. But not Ken St. Andre, designer of Tunnels and Trolls, a well-beloved tabletop role-playing game. In his reply to this user, Ken St. Andre said, Why? What gives you the right to tell others how they must be? (sighs) As Jamie said at the start of this, Old white guy does old white guy thing. Just, like, yeah, he, the user is right. You have to be anti-racist. You can't just be passively kind of, like, supportive. Your spaces must be curated, as we hope we try and do in our discords and our Twitter spaces on uh, in the giant brain. We don't want to be passive about this kind of thing. It's not enough to be non-racist. You must be anti-racist. And we will be intolerant to racists, sexists, homophobes, transphobes, anyone who comes in our space who just acts like a monster yeah and there's this myth of the myth of the tolerant left no the left has never been tolerant and oh what a surprise board gamers are and these people these middle class white guys are are leftists yep deal with it if you don't like it go away i don't want you listening to my podcast entirely fair sorry about sorry about that everyone just having a little it's it's been an it's been an interesting couple of days but but enough of that. Moving on to the rest of the news. So, last time on the cast, we reported on Coil Spring Games and their Mumsnet tie-in. Well, we, at the time, had reached out to a company called Helvetic, who I have some games for for review. We've since heard back from Helvetic, who have said that they've asked for their games to be removed from the promotion. And we've also heard rumour that several shops and cafes across the UK have removed Coil Spring Games products from their shelves, waiting to see how Coil Spring respond after the promotion has ended. Uh, at the moment, Coilspring have not updated their statement since the last cast. You can go back and listen to what they said then, and we'll link to that in the show notes. Anyway, Jamie, on much nicer news in the board game community actually being supportive of diverse peoples, what's been going on in itch? Well, itch.io is 
not so much a haven, but it, it is it is a, a bubbling cauldron of fantastic independent RPGs and and wonderful ideas. And there's bundles coming out regularly that I would highly recommend people have a look at and if they can snatch up because for very reasonable amounts you get a horde of excellent role-playing games and touching on a fantastic set of themes and helping a great number of people now two i'd like to touch on right now which is unfortunately just ended at the time of recording but uh one uh, that we hopefully might see again which is the indie bundle for palestinian aid was selling over a thousand video games and tabletop rpgs and guess what? The minimum price for that was $5. That's right, five American dollars. All proceeds were benefiting the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, um, which had operated in Gaza for 13 years, providing services to Palestinians. As I said, unfortunately, that just ended. Uh, but there's another one I'd like to highlight, and that is the Queer Games Bundle. Now, it is Pride Month. And there is obviously a great deal of cynicism about Pride Month in as much as companies who will cynically put a rainbow flag on their, let's say, Twitter icon and say, we support Pride, and then on the 1st of July go, sorry, what? What, Pride? No, sorry, what are you talking about? So, there are 236 titles from contributing individuals for this. Now, it costs... £42, that's $60. And if you go, well, that's a bit pricey. I mean, look at the Palestinian aid one. And you go, yeah. But also, £42, slightly less, $60 at least. It's the average price from a for a video game, uh, from a big studio, like a AAA video game from a studio. So, 236 titles for 42 quid, $60? That's pretty excellent value, personally. I would highly recommend it. It goes through Pride Month. Um, the, all the proceeds will be split evenly between all the participating artists. They're hoping to reach $5 million, but even if they don't, they're still going to split it as best they can, which I really don't know what else to add here. So I'm just uh, floundering a little bit. Otherwise going, this is fantastic. Get on it. Obviously, if you can't pay that, like I, I understand it is a lot. You should get on it, but it, it is a fair bit of money. But if you if you can't make that, there there is a pay what you can option. Uh, about about ten or twenty dollars. The kind of slides between that, but if you can, you know, sixty bucks, forty two quid. If you're getting a board game, why not get two hundred thirty six role playing games, and and help and helping, you know, a load of independent contributors. Yeah, it's just where some really interesting stuff's happening. Certainly in the indie RPG scene, you can read my review of Have I Been Good, a RPG you play with your dog on uh, on a giant rain site as well which i found on itch as well i got that in one of the bundles that we highlighted on the cast last year i can't remember which one it was now but yeah keep an eye on itch because they, they do a lot of great support of work for a variety of charities and you can get a bunch of product in return for giving charities a bit of money but anyway uh, these things are cheap and, and frivolous and just so 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 much small amounts of money we want to talk about big amounts of money huge ridiculous amounts of money wait, wait ian L- let me guess let me guess this is 2021 Huge amounts of money. Yep. In the tabletop games. Uh yep. it's Pokemon cards, isn't it? It is Pokemon cards. You've guessed correctly. You win a Pokemon card. I'll send one to you straight away. So Pokemon card news just keeps getting just a bit weirder. 
after people have climbed up gigantic towers in order to break into Pokemon uh, card stores, after huge amounts of money exchanging for bo- very rare boxes, we're back once more to influencer Logan Paul. For those of you not following the career of this illustrious individual... That includes me. He recently had a not-a-fight with former boxer Floyd Mayweather. That, that's a boxing match, by the way, not a, not a punch-up in a pub car park. Although, yes, although... <laughs> Sorry, I just love the idea of Floyd Mayweather fighting anyone in a, a pub car park with just someone going, Leave it out, Floyd, he's not worth it. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, your accent's coming back in there. That were completely non-existent at the top of the cast. What do you mean? It was Monster. perfect impressions. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. The fight itself, according to all boxing commentators that I've read, was a bit of a damp squib, uh, but nested both participants millions of dollars in sponsorship and views because it was a pay-per-view fight. Logan Paul wore a Mint Gem 10 Charizard card around his neck when coming into the fight, and he now claims that it is worth a million dollars. We reported early in the year about a version of this card selling for $300,000. Just gets weirder. (laughs) Weirder and weirder. As we said ages ago, Pokemon cards are, well, he's seeing them as assets, and they can only appreciate in value, so why not, you know, and... (sighs) At the end of the day, I, I hate I hate that so many of these answers is boiled down to well, why not? Because money, but well, because why ethics. not? Well, yeah, ethics is that is that not somewhere near Sussex? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it's a small a small town, a small hamlet. Anyway, moving away from gigantic horrible capitalists into something a little bit more sustainable. Ian, you say move away from gigantic capitalists. We are talking about the tabletop gaming industry. However, it much however it likes to think about itself. It's still a business. It's an industry. There are corporations making bucks. Of course there are. But they can do it nicely. There's a new studio that's been founded by Andrew Navarro, who's the former head of studio at Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, I wonder what happened to them. Oh, wait. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Navarro has announced he's forming a new studio called Earthborn Games. Now, on staff is a wealth of talent, including Adam and Brady Sadler, Brooks Flugar-Levitt, and Joe Banner. Now, normally we wouldn't be reporting on... Oh, there's a new studio formed. Although we generally occasionally do, depending if it's big names. But in this case, we're highlighting it as the team at Earthborn Games have made a commitment to make their games as sustainable as possible. The statement on their website reads, Earthborn Games, founded in 2020 by industry veteran Andrew Navarro, creates breathtaking tabletop games that prioritise environmental sustainability in every aspect of their creation, from manufacturing to fulfilment. Every Earthborn product is made as sustainably as possible, with unparalleled transparency throughout the process. There's a hopeful future on the horizon, one that reimagines our relationship with the Earth and the stories we tell on the gaming table, and we're going to create it together. Let's go. Now, our... I was about to say sadly departed. He's not died. He's just no longer with us. Hasn't he? He is not no longer with us. He's dead to me. (laughs) He's no longer at Brainwaves. Ian Chandler is very interested in sustainability in board games. I, We may have mentioned it a couple of times on this podcast, even. Going so far as to start his own consultancy on the matter, and we believe this will become much more of a focus uh, for companies in the next few years. So if you're interested in sustainability in board games, I would highly recommend checking out Ian's site, www.sustainabilityingames.com. Or on Twitter, he is at Sustain Games, capital S, capital G. 
I don't want to promote that man's things on our cast. He left. Ian, how, how, yeah. Ian, how dare you? Ian has Ian stepped in when I wasn't there, and then it turned out I was there, uh, and he's been absolutely fantastic. So you show him some goodness gracious respect. <laughs> well then, uh, I'd like to hope more companies uh, slide towards a more sustainable method uh, as we go on in a few years. Um, there was that Monopoly game, the podcast that Ian left. That, uh, the, the, yeah, you know, it, it was, it was made of, of sustainable materials that had, I'm afraid I can't remember off the top of my head, the rating that Ian said that is very hard to get for wood. Is it FSC certified? I, I think, think like that, yeah. Yeah. Now, so yeah, I, th- I, I think we'll see it more and more from companies because I think the community will push for it. And I think we're a lo- that's where a lot of the pressure will come from for board game companies to try and do their best to make their games as sustainably as possible. Because let's face it, board, I mean, board games are not the most polluting thing in the world by any means, but we do use a lot of plastic and a lot of paper and cardboard and all sorts of things that could be done more sustainably. So it'll be good to see a push for that over the next sort of maybe five, ten years. Anyway, we'd like to take a wee moment to give a little shout out to all our patrons. Thank you so much for continuing to support the cast over the last year or so. And in general, in fact, a special thanks to our executive producer, Sean Newman from the Game A Lot team. We'll put the link to Sean's products in the show notes. And you can, of course, join up with our patron for only $1 a month to get an extended version of the cast. And access to a monthly newsletter where we tell you about what's coming up in the next month on the cast and on the site as well. And there are various ways to support us on the site as well. Uh, we'll put links to all that in the show notes. We're not getting quite enough money from the patrons, so uh, I've decided to turn to crime, Jamie. I mean, if you want to do that, you better start making a monopoly on that investment. Uh, that was a rather tenuous link, but it is an organised crime monopoly special yeah, double I'm, bill. I'm leaving. I've had enough. Yeah, okay, on you go, Ian. Uh, no, I'm going to stay. Please, please stay. Please stay. I'm, I'm awfully lonely. Please stay. Kicking off our organised crime d- special double bill monopoly outro is a version with the setting of one of the most well-known films about organised crime, and sadly, it is not Goodfellas. Monopoly Godfather. Heat. Pardon? Heat. Ah, sorry. I have not seen it. Nor have I seen Goodfellas. Is that a bad admission? Uh, that'll be worse admissions later, trust me. We'll be talking about this at your review. Yep. Monopoly Godfather edition on a stylized black and gold board playing as either a Tommy gun, a cannoli, an olive oil can, <laughs> a Corleone car, a wee horse's head or a fish, as in the sleeping with the variety. Players travel about the board collecting characters in places of properties. Uh, using boss and consigliore cards instead of chance and community chest. Wow! Become don of the board. I don't know. Is that, the, the money. I have... mean, does the does the horse's head come with a little bed that you can tuck it into? I don't think so. That's a bit much. Well, isn't that's it? just disappointing. That's, uh, yeah, I know. But uh, the money has uh, Vito Corleone face on it, so you know, brand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but this I said a double bill. So here's a second one. Moving from New York and Italy to. Well, actually, just outside New York, it's New Jersey, uh, and Italians. It's Sopranos Monopoly. Uh, here's my other admission: I've never seen The Sopranos. Uh, well, uh, get ready for the hate mail and people going, "You should watch it. It's great." And I go, "I know, I know. I will watch it at some point." 
Uh, but in The Sopranos Monopoly, you can own places from the iconic show, such as The Cemetery, taking place of the old Kent Road, going all the way to Tony Soprano's house, which is taking the place of Mayfair here. Stations are represented by various rackets to run, including loan sharking and protection. Now, the real highlight for me, though, just because I think it's funny, uh, is the renaming of the chance and community chess cards to, and I apologize for any Italian uh, Americans from New Jersey here, they've been replaced by O and A cards. Yeah. Is that okay? I don't, I, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't think it was good I that I did it, because I did a no. bad job of it. Quickly, quickly! I better. Yeah, I'm gonna get out of here because that was. And we, we've we've done a bad job of this podcast. Thank you very much for listening, uh, for to this little bit shorter edition of Brainwaves. There's been a bit of weird news recently. Like basically, it's coming and going a lot. Of the time we're seemingly having one week where one fortnight where the cast is full of stuff, and one fortnight where the cast is quite a little bit emptier. And that just seems the way the news is going at the moment. So thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're mostly active on Twitter these days. Uh, our website is thegiantbrain.co.uk. You can email us about anything on the show or any news stories you'd like us to cover at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. And of course, you can come and join us on our Discord, where every week at the Tuesday after the cast goes out, we have a games night. On the 22nd of June at 8pm BST, we'll be having an on-stage interview with James Hewitt. We'll be asking him questions, and if you would like to be in the audience, you can ask him questions as well. James is a well-regarded and veteran Games Workshop designer. He's worked for Mantic Games as well, and he currently runs Needy Cat Games with his partner Sophie, where they are producing their own games and seminars and all sorts. So yeah, it's going to be a really interesting chat, and we hope to see some of you there. For now, bye-bye. Goodbye. Sorry, I had a moment of just... Brain just went...